Hey everyone, Nick here. I just want to throw in a quick warning before this week's episode. Uh, my audio is not great. Our recording software actually pulled in the wrong feed for me, so it's going to be a little bit tinny on my end. Thankfully, Barry and Brian sound great. I just wanted to give a little warning here so you know I'm aware of it and I don't get any emails or chats about it. Anyway, hopefully you still enjoy the episode, even despite my poor audio quality. I'll make sure it doesn't happen next week. Thanks all for listening, and here's the episode. Actually, in fact, streaming uh, this time. (laughs) (laughs) And stay streaming. Yeah, stay streaming. So, uh, funny story with that, I guess? Um, So, hello everybody, welcome. Uh, We are doing the pre-show, and you'll notice we have a third with us tonight. This is Brian. Brian, say hello to everybody. Hello to everybody. Uh, for, for everybody watching, listening, uh, Brian, last time he was on the show was uh, back in 2018, um, talking about UXPA Boston. And um, he, we are we started putting out calls for panelists uh, from some of our friends of the pod that have been on the show before, and Brian answered that call today. So thank you for hanging out with us and talking human factors. Um, to, to finish the initial story I was going with, so last week on the show, on the on the pre-show, on the post-show, uh, or sorry, I guess it was just the post-show, and it, it actually happened towards the end of the episode. What happened uh, was there a bug on the software that we're using, like back end, and what ended up happening was you know every every change that we were making live. So if you know we were to change the overlay or like uh, change the captions on it, these types of changes you know, that I'm making now or like swapping faces or whatever, those changes would be made live. Um, however, our video feeds were frozen and our audio was not showing up. And um, so it was like, you know, Barry and I frozen on our faces for, you know, 45 minutes. Uh, and it was like 25 minutes. So we lost the last, I don't know, 10 minutes of the show and 15 minutes of post-show. Um so, so we're back. Uh, that was an error on the platform's side, and unfortunately, we <laughs> we did lose that audio. Um, so we're going to answer that question that we had last week, the last question that we talked about. Uh, so it'll be yeah. uh, Barry and I <laughs> repeating ourselves, but that's okay because we got Brian here this week, and uh, he'll and he'll offer another perspective. Yeah. Anyway, if you're <laughs> yeah, what was that, Barry? It'd be interesting to see if we actually answer the same way. Um, yeah. Well, well, the world will never know because it wasn't recorded. That's true. Yes. <laughs> hey, uh, if you are watching live, um, please do comment wherever you're watching from. Uh, let us know uh, if you have any questions you'd like us to answer in this little pre-show here we like to put on. We're just uh, kind of putting together the show notes, making sure it's a great show for you all tonight. Uh, and this is where we really just banter about anything. Um, I... I do have a point of, of questioning, I guess. I'll, I'll ask you, Barry. You said in our Discord that you would follow up on... Uh, you, you said, uh, we'll give everyone the lowdown in the pre-show later. I want to make sure this is the pre-show later. So This is true. Oh, for the uh, for my climate ergonomics? Um, yes, there you go. Yeah, That's no, it. it was... So last night I had the privilege of presenting my musings on on this new discipline that I've just I've created all by myself because my ego tells me I can um, around climate ergonomics the idea being that we as human factors practitioners I think have a massive role to play and we're not necessarily playing it enough 
Um, I've given this talk to a couple of countries already. I'm like, a couple of countries, how cool is that? Um, and HFES was um, kind enough to reach out and ask if I would um, would engage with them. So I presented to HFES last night as one of their webinars. And um, and it was brilliant. It was really good fun. We um, had some, some quite cool questions. Um, and we did it slightly differently this time. We sort of split up into three different sections, talking about why should human factors get involved in, uh, clim in climate change? Um, what have we done about it? So we've come up with a process around what businesses can do and climate and us as agronomists can engage with um, as, as a process. And then around a, the third bit was around a future project that I'm trying to kick off at the moment, which is if you're familiar at all with the military or anything like that, we have this idea of command and control um, stations. Uh, defense use them, but also like um, emergency services use them to basically direct things. Well. I've got this idea, well, why can't we make one of them for climate and climate control? Um, and making decisions around like cli uh, climate disasters and things. And so we're kicking that off. So I got to talk around that as well. So um, about 40 minutes, 50 minutes, something like that. And um, yeah, it was good fun. Really enjoyed it. One of the most nervous I've been for doing a presentation in quite a while. Um, wow. wow but, that's, uh, that says a lot. But it, but it was fab. Good so, but, uh, Brian. Yeah, thank you for being there and watching because clearly you couldn't be bothered. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't. I had, I had other things that I had, and I, I, I miffed uh, because of the scheduling. But uh, hey, um, I, I do want to get over to Brian. Brian, it's been a minute since you've been on the show, since we caught up. Uh, what has been going on um, since you know we last chatted? Yeah, so I like to join every few years. You know, keep things <laughs> a little fresh. Uh, so last time I joined, I was about to go to grad school, and now I am done with grad school, uh, and I've been out in the world for a while, and now I'm a UX designer at Charles River Labs, helping make medicine go faster, which seems to be nice these days. It's crazy that the podcast uh, outlives the duration of which some people spend in grad school. That kind of blows my mind that we've been around for that long. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yep, before and after. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, so really important question to you both. This one's probably more of a Barry question. Um, well, I don't know, Brian, if you're into sports. Did you all watch that uh, American football game that happened this weekend that was... Uh, oh, yeah, okay, there you go. Um, and what happened? I, okay, so, so <laughs> your team won. Okay. By Rams won. Oh, okay. Rams yeah, won. the team I was rooting for won too because I'm a Ravens fan and huh? yeah. Eric Weddle became a Ram and I got to root for that guy because he's just such a nice person and defensive player. Mm -hmm. And the other team, the Bengals, was in my division. Can't root for the opposition. So it's out well yeah. for me too. It's... um. It's interesting. I don't, I don't really watch that much sport, and I only got into American football. What about? But well, it was it was only a couple of months ago, wasn't it? Because I started talking about it when when I was on here, and um, and the main reason I chose the Rams is when we got married out in the uh, out in the states, and we got married in St. Louis, and at the time the Rams were in St. Louis, and so it's like, well, if you're to go for a tenuous link to um, to supporting a team, there we go. So um, so we did, and it just happened to be that then. As soon as I started supporting them, they started getting better, and um, and we go and win the Super Bowl. I mean, how cool is that? 
the um, the, the main downside is that um, obviously you keep on playing American football out in the States and means I have to watch it between sort of nine o'clock at night and three o'clock in the morning. Um, but Nick's have been training for that by doing this podcast, you see. So. <laughs> yeah, because it's once again, uh, late, late for you. Uh, <laughs> and and I am eternally grateful for you staying up every Thursday night uh, and, and going to bed after midnight. And uh, yeah. Uh, hey, um, we are putting together show notes and uh, we want to make sure we have a good show for you all. Brian, there's a section towards the end here called One More Thing. Barry, you two, do you, do you both have that uh, covered there? Just want to make sure uh, that we have something to talk about. It's just, it's literally just one more thing. Oh, yes, yes, I no. will be all set. Yeah. There's, there's a bit of scrolling going there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pack show. And I'm, I'm thinking, do are we, are we feeling good on the show notes? Do we feel like we need to add in anything else to this list here? I think we could. Uh, I think there's enough here for us to go off of. I see you guys added some notes there, so I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Uh, I think this point can probably go, um, unless anyone has something specific they want to talk about, because I don't really. No, uh, I'm good. Oh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and can can that for now. Um, yeah, I'm gonna add just a couple. Uh, couple notes here towards the end. Oh, I put some of my notes in the wrong bit. That's okay. I'm and see yeah, some you can. My bits just randomly appear. That's fine. Um, yeah, we can actually even can that. I think there's actually. I think some of your. Uh, oh. Oh yeah, we are. We are kind of. Okay. Uh, let me see here. I feel like there's got to be something that we can pull into this, but I am just struggling to find any reliable source. Like, I was looking up ergonomics of paraplegia. It is interesting because, again, the... And I think this is what, what it's going um, to make. It's quite a, an interesting piece that not, there's not that much guidance around this because it must be so individual. Um, around, you know, it's, it's got to be so focused around the injury um, because... Even though we just say you know paraplegics, presumably at the level of where they're paralyzed must make such a difference. So um, yeah. So what they can I think do. there's I think there's enough that we can speculate on it. I, I, there, mm. Even if there's not hard science on it, um, you're right. Right? There's there's not research currently. I mean, this is probably the cutting edge of it, and so uh, the fact that there's no <laughs> research that we're finding, at least in our our little uh, what do you want to call it? It's our it's our it's our uh, podcast research. Uh, it's our due, due diligence. <laughs> due diligence. There you go. Yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. Um, yeah. There's the lawyer word. Yeah, I don't due use that word. Diligence. I can't remember whether I talked about this in the pre-show last last time or the pre-pre-show. But I, I mentioned to you that there was a piece of work that we didn't win, and um, yes, and, and I was I was a bit annoyed about it. 
Um, I've got I've got a meeting with the uh, with the people tomorrow to discuss why we didn't win. Oh, so, no, you know, I mean, we certainly have it over here where you can sort of get in touch with uh, the suppliers of the work, and because it's government based stuff, there there is an obligation on them to if we wanted to get feedback, so we can make ourselves better. And right, then I've, right. I've since found out there was only two people who applied it was being one of them. So it's going to be a case of, um, yes, what 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 was yeah. it so bad that we did so bad and and put them on the spot a bit. Um, so it'll be interesting to get that feedback. Yeah, uh, um, I, I really hope they're not watching the show tonight. Um, well, I think because then they can prepare and. Uh, yeah. Well, I've already sent them the email saying like we, we'd be really keen to learn about um, what we do in the future, how, how we can improve ourselves in the future. Um, so, yes, I, I've got nothing to hide. I'm fine. Very respectfully. And I guess there's <laughs> one good thing about doing uh, government things. They kind of have an obligation to be transparent. Whereas a lot yes. of private corporations would just go off into the night. Yeah, it's some of them, and I think that's the way you can tell the quality of the people you're working with to a certain extent, because certainly a lot of the work we're doing goes into, I'm either supporting other human practice companies um, or whatever, and um, I'd rather they turn around and said, look, you haven't got it this time because of this reason, but maybe next time, or if you're just going to be open and honest and say, no, don't want to work with you anymore because of this, at least then you learn, you crack on. It's the, it's the when you get it gets something back and it just says no thanks right okay that that doesn't why because uh, then you just go into a hate mode and rage mode and and things like that and and it, it's not healthy and not helpful though even with feedback i still go into rage and hate mode but um you know. at least hopefully you can be productive about it as opposed to nothing that's I feel I feel so lost. Like, what do we normally talk about in pre-shows? Like th this uh, this panel view, this panel uh, format is is tripping me up just a little bit. Not it, not in a bad way. It's a good way. Um, I just I, I feel like there's normally uh, like three or four topics that we talk about before a show. Oh, you know what it is. You know what it is. It's not the format. It's the fact that we already have our it came from. Like we're not looking through those right now. This is what we'd normally be doing. We're finding those. Um, you were too prepared. Yeah, you know what? I it is my one more thing. I'll talk about it tonight. But I think the meds are working. Um. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> right. <laughs> like Barry, a couple weeks ago, uh, right before we um, we were both feeling unwell for that show, uh, I. I sent you the notes on like Wednesday night and I was like, I think they're working they're the I said, I got all the notes on Wednesday night because it was a blowout for the, <laughs> for the, um, for the poll. And so, uh, you know, a lot of it was, um, set in stone, wasn't probably going to change overnight. And, uh, so I got everything done, sent it Barry's way. <laughs> the next day he goes, I'm terribly sorry. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling well. And I was like, Oh yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> he just scared. He just scared me. That's all. That's what he was. <laughs> but uh, no, I, it was. Because um, I've had that. Because last night I didn't sleep very well either. Um, sort of. I, I had to. Because I think I got through this HFES presentation. As I said, I, I, for some reason, it's not often. 
some presentations I just wind myself up about and stress myself out about. I don't know why, just especially as I've just sat here, you know, it's not like going on big stage or anything like that. And um, so I stressed myself out about it, done it. And it was such a, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed doing it because I, I thoroughly enjoyyed talking around the stuff I enjoyed talking about. And, um, and it, but I think it was just such a, almost a come down afterwards that I was like, I was sat in the sofa watching TV and then my wife's prodded me going, you've been asleep for about two hours now. And I'm like, that means I'm not going to sleep. That's brilliant joy. But I still felt so tired. Um, you know, my, I just felt achy tired. And so let's go to bed anyway. And let's hopefully I'll just fall asleep. No, that didn't happen. Yeah. And then I was still up early this morning. But, let's, um, let's talk about sleep for a minute because my, uh, hi, Melissa, if you're watching my therapist. Um, so, so, uh, uh, basically I've been working with my therapist. She's like, Hey, so, uh, how's your sleep doing? I'm like, Oh, it's fine. You know, I'm getting like five hours of sleep a night. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I usually function pretty okay. I'm like six and a half. And so, uh, Basically, my goal this week is to take melatonin two hours before I, I want to go to sleep. So it ended up being like at nine uh, every night this week. And um, it, it's been going okay, except for last night. Last night, I got kicked in the back by my son uh, at around 4.30. And so I've been up since my 4.30, which was, mm, what, 10 hours ago? Um <laughs> and and uh you know i have to deal with the whole post-show uh checklist after this and um man it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one i i can tell you uh, <laughs> man i sure feel like a prima donna because i'm usually aiming for like nine if i'm eight i'm like eh. <laughs> how do you get nine hours sleep usually in bed <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can't, I can't do it. Normally, um, I'm a bit like Nick. But if I get six hours, six seven hours is a good night. Um, the um, but no, it's it's. I did a, a whole lot of try to do the whole behavior change thing before Christmas, and and what was re what worked really well is you get into that routine. And this mm -hmm. guy's telling me, you know, about ten o'clock, uh, ten o'clock at night, go and have as hot a shower as you can stand. Um, do that right. Okay, fair enough. Then. And then you, but because when then when you, if you do that at 10 o'clock with an aim to be asleep by 11 o'clock, so you basically have an hour's wind down. Um, so, but you have this hot shower and then that automatically puts your body into some sort of mode of, oh, it's getting cool and go to sleep type thing. And um, kind of works quite well right to the point my shower broke. Um, and then, oh, no. yeah, it's not so well now. Um, but yeah, I think because we, we can't get melatonin in the UK. Um, oh really? But, Is that not something yeah. you sell? Wow. Okay, that's. Uh, yeah. I feel privileged now. Yeah, it's very common in America. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, um, yeah. When we've done, you know, because obviously um, it's very common for people to to take on flights and stuff to get to get the body clock shifted and all that sort of jazz. But the yeah no you you can only get it on prescription over here I believe anyway. It certainly used to be the case you can only get it on prescription. Um, cool. so yeah, it's uh, there's there's no easy fixes that way or easier fixes that way. Yeah, for me, one fix that really helps is that routine and also changing my lights. I'm very sensitive to lights. So when it comes to be like 7 p.m., I start like dimming all the lights and it just keeps going until I go to bed. And it's like, oh, that's cool. 
So you you've yeah. got all the smart the smart how the smart light setup. Yeah, I installed all the hue lights in my apartment. Yeah, yeah, cool. It's um, no, I, I got the whole hue. I can sleep well. <laughs> I I've got the hue setup because I'm basically sat at the bottom of my garden at the moment in in a little cabin that I made uh, a few months ago, and this is all got the hue light setup, which was great until I started um, doing these podcasts because half was it about ten minutes in, and basically all the lights would go off in here, and I couldn't work out how I'd set it up. Because it, it was all, it was movement controlled. So you know, I think I think that actually happened to you last week on the pre-show. Uh, it did briefly. I don't know why. I think that was one of the kids messing about. Actually, right, that was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was I, I, I almost but, commented on it. Uh, I was like, um, "Hey, what about the lights?" Uh, yes, or, or, it, does, it does that, and he was like, "Ooh, that's so scary." I don't remember if it was the pre-show or the actual show. Like we had just started or something. Uh, Yes, I don't I'm, 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 I'm gonna check. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do an investigative report here on um, on when that happened. I feel like it was. I feel like it was towards the beginning of the show. I think uh, it, yes, it was either just towards the end of the pre-show or the, or the start of the main show. That's why I've now got a button just stuck to the wall here, just in case. <laughs> it's my it, um, um, hit button in case of no light. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> panic button. Right. Yes. That's, uh, well, considering I don't oh, use yeah. it, so well, but, uh... found it. Hang on. Oh, that is it. The main show. Yeah, yeah. Hang on. I'll I'll share with everybody here while we're in the pre-show. This is last week's main show. Uh, let me just pull this up for you all and uh, bring up the big screen here really quick. Uh, so you should be able to see that. Okay. And just put us down here. Actually, I'll overlay. Whoa. No, make that big. There we go. All right, so so this is uh, last week's show here, Barry and I. Uh, I was doing the intro here, and right around, uh, I guess right around here, on Barry's side, you can see uh, his lights go off right after he, yep, there you go, there you go. Yep, oh, no, <laughs> <panic> button. <laughs> Emergency light control works really well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, at least the low light works shockingly well on the webcam. We can still see you pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I, I picked myself up a um, the Elgato face cam, which because I was doing more of this and I wanted something to be um, solid. And I just like buying gadgets, if I'm honest. Um, so what is that a like a ring light? No, it's it's got no light at all. It's just the most expensive webcam I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> but it's about yeah, it's it's got decent optics in it, and uh, but it's got no microphone or anything like that in it. Um, so it's got no frills as such it's just a solid quality webcam um which took me a lot of justification to trying to, to try and get the excuse to buy it but um but then my wife didn't look and i, qu I quickly pressed okay and so she, you know once i clicked okay she couldn't take it back um yeah so, no refunds yeah exactly you know amazon does, doesn't take things back don't you know this but, famously um, like that <laughs> Hey, while we're while we're talking tech, I think last week, Barry, did I did I do my um my upgrades to my Oculus on on last week's show in the post show? Yeah. I, I don't remember. Uh, I, I'll do it this time because I have something different to talk about in the um, in the one more thing. But for for anyone watching, listening in in the pre show here, uh, I did talk about last week about all the upgrades I made to my, uh, my Quest <laughs> Two, and um, I made another one since last week. So uh, we'll start at the front here. So at the very front, you see this like little uh, vent fan here. Uh, this 
is with a custom uh, faceplate here that you know rests against your head. The difference here is that it has a built-in um, like vent at the bottom, so it pulls air through with this fan at the top here. I realize that I'm now trying to speak for our our patrons who are listening to an audio-only version of this. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, it pulls it pulls uh, air through the the mask and it defogs as you're playing so if you're like doing fitness or whatever in vr uh you are less likely to experience fogging um the second thing i'll point out is that this has actually has a halo um uh halo what do they, they call it? it's like a halo headband or whatever where it rests on your on on the front of your head and kind of tightens up at the back of your head uh where before custom or, or not custom i should say stock is literally just the strap um, that you take around your head and it straps to the device. Uh, a little bit wobbly. Uh, but this, this head strap, while I'm talking about it here, actually has a battery that clips on via magnets and it just, boom, it's charging right there. Uh, and it has a nice little ding, auditory feedback for when you're uh, in VR and you can't necessarily see it. There you go. And um, I like that it's so magnets nice. too. It's that way you can like do it when you're still in VR and not like line up things. It's 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 very powerful magnets too. So um, you know, like even like I can shake this thing and it's not coming off. I'm I'm showing you right now. It's like uh, flinching, waiting for it to come through the camera. <laughs> right, right. It's it's not coming off. And then uh, can you wipe any floppy disks? <laughs> I'm doing this pretty vigorously here. I'm I'm like shaking this thing quite significantly, and it's not coming off. Uh, the last upgrade um, is, or that I talked about last week was the, the custom lenses. Those are still coming. It, it takes a while because they're custom lenses for my prescription. Um, they're going to be magnetic and they just go right in. The last upgrade I made this week, um, so this, this headset actually came with uh, two, so this is this is actually what's like kind of sitting behind you, is, is these little uh, pads, and they're fine. But because of the material that they're made of, they slip a little bit on the back of your head. Um, and so this company uh, came out with a version two, or I guess it's the version one of this headband, um, which doesn't have the halo, and I have the packaging here. There's, they came out with a conversion kit. So you can go from the one that I have to the one that just came out, even though it was, it, it's less advanced, it's just in development longer. Um, but anyway, the, the point with this one is that it's just kind of like, you know, straight back, tightens mm -hmm. around the back. It's a conversion kit. And with that conversion kit, they came with a, a separate set of uh, grips. So this is like that, um, it's it's like a hex material, like it's a honeycomb um, kind of padding that has some pretty tight grip on it. So like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it doesn't really slide around as much as the pads. Um, and so that's all the upgrades that I've made to my Quest. And it now feels uh, quite substantial um, all these upgrades are probably like another hundred dollars. Uh, so, like all okay, things. Say, what's more expensive, the quest or all the upgrades together? Uh, well, everything pictured here is probably uh, probably hundred dollars. <laughs> uh, what's not pictured is, of course, the lenses. But I'm willing to pay for those. Those were eighty, and so um, together, you know, all the mods at the end will likely be around the same price as the quest. So total headset cost probably around. 400-ish dollars. All things considered, not bad. Um, Still worth it, yeah. Yeah, especially, like, I can't sing the praises of uh, 
you know, not having a, a cord, um, like a corded VR setup. It's just uh, sure. you know, grab and go. And and the fact that this, you know, tightens up so compactly, I could take this with me uh, on business trips, personal trips, and, and be able to get some exercise while I'm in my hotel room and everyone next door is wondering why, um, <laughs> you know, there's a bunch of, like, I don't know. Banging and bouncing going on in the room next door, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah there you go. See, I never thought of it. I should really take my, my my quest with me on business and then use it to watch sort of TV and stuff. That would have made my Super Bowl experience so much better. I think somehow this turned on. Give me a minute. Uh, I need yeah. to... Uh, this makes for great, great podcasting. <laughs> um, I do really like the fact that it's wireless, though. Like, I have a Valve Index and a Quest, and mm. I use the Quest more than the Index just because I have to, like... Start up Steam VR with the index. Make sure things are calibrated, as opposed to I put on a headset and I'm set. Yeah, it's um I've gone I've had to go with if I've still got a hold of the PlayStation VR, but I mm -hmm. also used to work a lot with the original um, Oculus Rift mm -hmm. uh, that was called Anno Anno headset, which was obviously the first thing you do is put a headset on it because I don't see how they got away with that in the first place. But the um, yeah, just the whole simplicity of of the of the quest, just to be able to put it on, thing, really good graphics, simple but effective games, um, absolute genius. So yeah, I do need more graphics, but I think it's like you know, the price of where we are in technology right now. Yeah. Mm. Somewhere around here, I have a DK two. <laughs> nice. That's old school. Yeah, it's still sitting somewhere around here. I don't know where it is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we are one minute out. Um, if you are joining us live, thank you. Uh, stick around. We're going to actually do the main show here in just a moment. We're going to be talking about how uh, this uh, this app will control legs on paraplegic people. So that's kind of exciting. Um, stick around. Uh, if you're if you're watching again live, uh, let us know where you're watching from. If you have any questions, drop them in the chat. We might read them on the show. Uh, stick around. We'll be right back with the main show right after this. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Human Factors Cast. We're recording this live on February 17th, 2022. I'm your host, Nick Rome. I'm joined today by a wonderful panel of folks. Up first, up in the up in the top right corner, we have Barry Kirby. Hey, great to be here. How are you doing? Hey, Barry. I am good. And down in the bottom left corner, I don't I don't know. It's like the the, the boxing ring. I don't know. Brian McDonald. Hello, everyone. It's good to be back like to join every few years <laughs> yeah so brian was last on our show for uxpa in boston back in 2018 so welcome back to the show brian we got a great show for you all tonight we're going to be talking about how an app enabled a paralyzed man to walk it's like a miracle and later we're going to be answering some questions from the community about the long-term unemployment zone the differences in experience gained uh, between lab work and internships and 
when you might want to consider a, a coursework de graduate degree versus a thesis graduate degree. But first, we got some programming notes, and I want to I want to just say a huge thank you to our Discord community. Uh, this last week has been kind of crazy in our Discord. Um, on a whim, I had asked kind of a, uh, hey, who's here and what do you all do? Uh, you know, like tagged everybody in our Discord. Um, it's been traditionally a little quiet, but man, it is it is just lit up over the last week. There's been a lot of great discussions, job posts. If you're interested in that type of thing, there's a bunch of other human factors professionals from all over the world hanging out in our human factors cast discord. Uh, we've been posting resources for you all. Uh, cheeky comments from Barry all the way all the way around. Um, lots of different discussions going on there. And I just I thank you all for for participating in that chat. We're going to try to be more uh, proactive about putting out those prompts into the world. And so, uh, you know, if you want to be part of that, there's there's links uh, all over the place in this description on our website. Uh, you can find us. Uh, but it's time we get into the first part of the show we like to call the first part of the show we like to call i don't know what that was anyway this is a, this is human factors news this is why you're here uh we got an exciting one today i, I mentioned it at the top of the show barry what is our news story this week so this week we're talking about a spine implant allowed a paralyzed man to control legs using an app so for the first time ever, an app-based electrical implant has allowed a paralyzed person to walk again. Swiss researchers used electrical implants connected to a tablet app to help Mike Ricciardi become the first person to walk again after a severe spinal injury that he suffered during a 2017 motorcycle accident. Though this is the first time the tech has been used on a paralyzed person, the type of implant researchers at the Lozette Lausanne University, sorry about getting that wrong, um, a hospital used to help Riccati walk again, is not entirely new. Spinal cord stimulators, like the one modified for this research, have been used for decades to help people manage chronic pain. But this is where this application is new and innovative. Using an app that connects to the, to the device and two backup buttons in case of a pullless wireless signal, users are able to select what type of motion they want. The initial results have been stunning of the, on the three initial subjects. Within the first hours of therapy after implant, implantation, all three were able to move their legs. They were soon able to swim, cycle, and stand with the help of a walk in the lab. Soon after, they were able to move around outside the lab as well. These results have been even more spectacular given how labor-intensive uh, these previous spinal implant researches have been. Previous attempts at using spinal cord stimulation to restore mobility have been largely labor-intensive and required months of working with an intensive rehabilitation team. It can be done quickly. You don't need to, as many resources, and it could be applied at a much larger scale with this implementation. There's obviously much more work to be done, but making these kind of implants available to the average spinal cord injury patient, this, without a doubt, is a massive breakthrough. Brian, what do you think about having your limbs being controlled by an app? That's super cool, but I am terrified of what happens if the company goes away. Um, because, yeah, being able to use your limbs when you couldn't do it before, amazing. But like the same week, uh, IEEE came out with an article about people from who were using a implant in their eye. So the article states that Beth, 
Barbara Campbell was walking through a New York City subway during rush hour when her world went abruptly dark. She'd been using a high-tech implant in her left eye that gave her a crude kind of biotic vision, partially compensating for the genetic disease that rendered her completely blind in the 30s. And she was about to go down the stairs when all of a sudden I heard a beep, beep, beep sound. And that was her Argus 2 retinal implant system powering down. The patches of light and dark she'd been able to see with the implant's help vanished. And that company also vanished. So you couldn't get any updates. People had to get were trying to get MRIs and couldn't get those. So it's the sort of thing where I would love this to be an amazing like short-term thing where someone can somehow use it for rehab and then potentially not need it anymore. But with the long-term implications, I mean, people just have to take that into consideration when they're getting it. Probably worth the trade-off of something rather than nothing for a short amount of time, but whew, that's terrifying. Nick, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I it's a cautionary tale, right? I, I really do love it when technology can sort of, I mean, that's what technology is for. Technology is for bridging some of those gaps uh, in, in, in human performance. And in this case, it is uh, because of a disability. And I, I love when technology can bridge those gaps in terms of accessibility. Uh, the Book of Boba Fett just aired, and they have a whole group of people called the mods uh, that have uh, enhancements in some way, shape, or form. And this is, I don't know, this is just awesome. You do bring up some great points, Brian, about um, <laughs> what happens if the company goes under. I think this article does kind of touch on a little bit of that. They have some redundancy in physical buttons on um, on some interface. I don't remember if it's like a, a control box or something, but you're right. It, like what happens if, if it does stop working, customer support doesn't exist. Well, then you got to find another company, but you're high and dry in that moment. And it might actually be a moment uh, where, I don't know, maybe it's not life and death now, but like what happens if this like uh, breaks down in the middle of the street? Um, and you need help from strangers to get you out of the street or on the train tracks and there's no one around or uh, I don't know why you'd be walking over train tracks and there's no one around. My point is it could be really inconvenient. So thank you for bringing up that point. Barry, I am curious as to what your thoughts on this article is. So I, I think it's cool. I mean, like really cool. The fact that we've got um, people who have um, such life-changing conditions that um, they're literally immobilized or they have to rely on people in such a significant way just to live an everyday life which we all know we all don't like doing that and i know a lot of people you know get over it and and um, learn to rely on other people but we none of us like having our independence taken away so to have this sort of technology is clearly life-changing um for, for people who have these injuries but I do have questions. I've watched the videos um, which accompany the article, and I'd encourage people to do so and to have a look at them. How must it feel to have movement happening on your body without any stimulation from you? You know, suddenly um, your legs start moving. Now, in the videos, you can see that it's being controlled by by the uh, by an app on a on a tablet. But at times, the person whose legs are moving. It's not him holding the tablet. It's somebody else. And they're sort of going left leg, right leg, left leg, right leg. And that's just got to feel weird, surely. Um, there's a film 
over here in the UK, I don't know whether it's it's made it across the states. It's uh, an animation called around Wallace and Gromit called the Wrong Trousers, and um, it's kind of the same where the where the lead character is just he gets imprisoned in these trousers and they start getting controlled by by this little penguin and stuff. I suggest you go and watch it because actually it's not dissimilar dissimilar sort of thing. <laughs> but um, you know the and the control interfaces, how you make that work um, is got to be is got quite a big deal, and I think we'll go into that in in the uh, in the main discussion. To the point that uh, the, uh, you both made around um, the, you know, the companies going out of business who produce this sort of thing, this just screams for me um, open architecture development. It's it's the sort of stuff that um, it's got to be out there with um, a good focus on standards. But if you've got an open architecture, then actually if companies do go out of business, then all is not lost. Um, and we are, I think, overall in dev domains going down that route but this is still, you know, this is proper cutting edge stuff. Even when preparing the show notes for this, it's a struggle to find um, design standards, build standards, HFI standards, um, human factors, best practice around this type of stuff because it is so cutting edge. So it's going to be some some time there yet. But no, I think it's massively exciting. Yeah, I think um, you're you're absolutely right. There are a lot of different things that we have to consider about technology like this. And you actually have some points towards the end of our discussion uh, that I want to make sure we touch on, like cybersecurity, because you mentioned open architecture. Uh, and so um, let's let's kind of use this. You're absolutely right. We did struggle quite a bit to find any relevant literature for this before the show tonight. This largely reminds me of the state that exoskeletons were in uh, just a couple years ago, where there were kind of this lack of standards across the board for what it means to be an exoskeleton, how to design an exoskeleton for a human. I feel like we're kind of at that point now where because of these types of implants, these, this technology, uh, we, we kind of need that. So what we're going to do instead of breaking down the human factors aspect of this, there's a lot of psychological issues that go on with dealing with uh, paraplegia. I think, one uh, one way we might think about this is kind of um, maybe what someone uh, what a paraplegic is going through psychologically, and then looking at it through the lens of potentially trying to accommodate some of these when um, when designing either an interface or some sort of uh, interaction mechanism for this type of technology. So. Um, Barry, do you want to jump into any of the psychological stuff? Anything yeah, standing think, out to you? Yeah, it is. I mean, firstly, I think the, the real big hitter here is no to – we talk about paraplegia like, you know, it, it's just the same for everybody when it clearly can't be um, because everybody's um, – A, injury itself is going to be unique. Um, one way or another, because where you've got the injury is going to is going to differ up and down the spine, and the 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 higher up the spine um, you have your injury means you have a different level of um, of, of paraplegia, a different level of, of disability. So from that perspective alone, um, everybody's injury is going to be different. But also then the psychological effects of having that injury is is going to be different for for every person because you're going to deal with it differently depending on a whole range of factors like what support have you got around you how have you dealt with it yourself what sort of accident was were you in was it um did it involve other people being injured at the same time was it your fault was it somebody else's fault you know there's a whole lot of things around there just around the incident itself and then your recovery um what how much impact has it had on your your day-to-day -day life is it is it 
done things around that. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of things like that that really make this type of injury um, really unique to each person. And we've got to be able to map that in some way. And I don't think that sort of thing truly exists yet. Um, so there's there's work to be done there. Um, Brian, is there anything in that list that um, stands out for you that you that you think we should be hitting? Thinking of the psychological things, the biggest thing for me was just like simplicity. Because typically when people don't have that 100% like cognitive load that everyone thinks about designing for, it things have to be easier to use. And that's going to be incredibly hard when you're having something that's as complex as this, where everyone is a little bit different. How do you make that easy to configure without necessarily, you know, taking away people's ability to change what they need to change. Hmm. You know, I want to jump in here because there's a couple things that stand out to me from this list of, I guess, psychological conditions and, and some that I think a lot of us can relate to. So things like depression, anxiety, fatigue, anger, all things that many of us have experienced during the duration of this global pandemic. Can you imagine uh, just for a second what it might be like if, um, you know, on top of that, you were dealing with not being able to move parts of your body? I just that to me screams like especially especially hard for those individuals right now in in these times in these unprecedented times i think there's you know it's like this compound effect of having everything going on right now but then all this on top of it and this is this is seminal research that has been around for a while on on those with um paraplegia and and so you know the fact that just everything is compounding right now is uh i don't know it, it seems pretty heavy and so coming back to the psychological side of things, when you actually do sort of come up with some solution like this or a solution like we talked about earlier in last year, I guess, uh, which we'll reference at the end, it was on the being able to control a exoskeleton with brain signals. Um, when you come up with these type of solutions to this thing, it, it immediately gives that person back some agency that they were missing. And um, as little as it is, and we'll talk about some of the concerns, design considerations as it as it pertains to this technology here in just a minute. But you know, as it as it relates to giving people back their agency, I think every little step absolutely helps, and that's just kind of awesome to see technology help reduce some of these issues um, with uh, with with psychological um, conditions. So let's jump into the article. Uh, normally, we, like I said, we usually do like a big, long um, breakdown of human factors issues, the psychological issues I think we kind of covered. I do want to just kind of jump in and, and talk about what's going on here, because I think there is a lot to discuss as it relates to the way in which the interaction happens here. Mm -hmm. um, and so, Brian, I, I saw you in the chat. You put in some show notes. I want to make sure that we have... Uh, that we talk about this because you you brought up a good point about haptics. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so just the brain can be tricked by other senses kind of easily. So how can you use that here to really design a better experience? I know that you can put on VR glasses and touch something 
that looks cold because it's blue and it's not even very realistic. It's pretty cartoony. Um, but you can touch something hot and think it's cold because you see it being differently. And the same way that you can trick your brain to be eating a soggy chip. And as long as you hear that crunch the exact right time, you're going to think it's really crispy, which is kind of wild. So how do you do that when you're trying to design footsteps? That's going to be really hard, but it'd be crazy to see if someone could, I don't know, somehow implement some microphones on the feet or something. So then when you're using your limbs, it really does feel embodied to you and not like someone else is controlling it because you feel like you're in control. Yeah. I, I, I am drawing a blank on what that concept is. It's a, uh, it's not the phantom concept or the phantom mirror. It's, it's, it's the one where you're pairing stimuli with something else. And yeah, it, it all comes back to that experience, right? It could ultimately make somebody's experience better using uh, this type of thing if if everything around that interaction seems more normal and it, it, all down to the sound and the feel um, there's I, I do want to mention one point here uh, the the way in which this works because I think maybe it was mentioned in the blurb but I do want to like call attention to it basically the way this works uh, it's not like the the person is, you know, controlling a, a joystick on an app, moving them forward, they're selecting a mode. Uh, and, and then their legs do that based on the signals that the implant sends to their legs. So they have, um, you know, different modes, presumably for walk or cycle or swim, and the legs will just do those things. And so the body then has to sort of prepare for those changes. You know, when you start walking, you uh, sort of unconsciously lean forward because walking is controlled falling. Um, and so those are types of things that you have to consider when you're engaging in these different modes, right? Start walk mode. Well, they need to be able to know when that feedback is coming to, to lean forward to get into the walk. Um, I think the, the other thing of note here is that there are backup buttons on uh, the device itself. Uh, so I guess uh, we're talking about the implant here. I don't know if it's like sticking out of their back or if there's controls on the side or wherever those are reachable. There are presumably um, backup buttons. And my, I guess my question is like, why aren't those the primary modes of, of uh, switching, I guess, <laughs> modes? It, it just makes, it makes the app part of it seems like um, a little much unless those buttons are unreachable and why would you not just design something that's on your person that's hardwired in so that way you always have control and you know you can start and stop whenever you want to and not have to worry about the lag that comes through an app anyway these are just some things that I think of Barry you have a whole laundry list of items here you want to go through some of it yeah so I mean this follows on really nicely from what you're just saying around the design considerations because Again, the the location of how you control this this thing is is going to be so um, so key to what what's going on and how you engage that. So, um, this is one of the um, the the missing bits I think out of the article and the videos that we've seen is exactly what the app interface looks like, where the control buttons are, because I think there's control buttons on the device. There's also control buttons on the walker that the that the uh, the man was using 
to uh, to when he was doing his walking. Um, and and so the really the, the location of where all these controls are uh, is going to be absolutely key to making sure that it's a it's an accessible um, and usable device from you know because you know you're not going to have a perfect world all the time you're probably going to fall over at some point because we all fall over so you need to be able you know is it in place for recovery and things like that then you're going to have that strength versus weight issue you do, if you've got basically these exoskeleton legs that are so heavy that you then can't go in lift or you can't use normal, you know, you, you create implant, in, imprints in the, in different material floors and things like that. Um, for Or you get legs that are suddenly much stronger than you would actually have for normal use. Um, it gives you a, um, I guess it would give you a feeling of something that maybe isn't quite right. Um, How is it actually attached to the body? Is it something like you have, it fits over your um, your normal legs, and is it strapped in? So you're going to have to think about um, how is it strapped to the body. Do you get things like sores? How does it fit with the skin, um, and and things like that? It's it's and we, there's a lot of research into that already, where you have amputees using um, um, false limbs and things. How does that sort of thing work? But you're you're clamping this over a um, a set of legs that are already there. They just don't work. So. How does that fit in? And also the attachments that go into the spine themselves, because as you said, the you've got that spine receptor. How do we make sure that that stays medicinally clean, safe, um, and and maintained? The the materials that we get are going to be um, expensive. I mean, we, we see at the moment the trying to get materials for doing this type of thing is is going up because of the, the issues around the pandemic and and all that type of thing. Um, but then I think the you know we we keep on coming back to circling back to this this interface consideration, and one of the big things that worries me more than anything else is almost it it says it's being controlled by an app. That's great, and we see on the videos that um, somebody else has the uh, that somebody else has the tablet, and that's so that's fine if you're controlling it and you can get yourself into the mode right. I'm I'm moving forward now. I'm going to start for, forward motion. Go. You prepare your body. Lean forward. All that sort of stuff. What happens if somebody else picks it up and just starts going? Um, your your legs suddenly start going out from in front of you, and and you're just motoring forward like like you didn't really or back or whatever it is. Um, it, that that concerns me about how you how you would either how you could do, how you, that what would happen around that, but also how would you stop from that from happening? Um, is there some level of security that we need to make sure that nobody else can walk off with your legs, basically? Um, so I think there's a, it'd be interesting to see a lot of development around that app control. I think it'd be, be um, quite a key thing. Is there anything else that you've got, Nick, that you think that uh, we should be bringing out? Yeah, I was going to jump in. That's almost like a good segue into kind of the cybersecurity side of things. I think there's huge cybersecurity issues that you have to think about with this. And you just brought up one right there, right? If you're, uh, you, It's only as strong as your weakest link. If you have your phone unlocked and somebody grabs it and someone controls your legs with it, they could send you off in the other direction while they steal all your valuables. Like, I don't, it, um, to me, the app itself adds an unnecessary layer of controls that just, I don't feel need to be there right now. Maybe as, as the technology advances and there's more advanced controls, three buttons won't do it, right? Cycle, swim, walk are, are no longer the controls. Maybe now I want to run and I want to run at a certain miles per hour. And I want to like, 
I don't know, I can think of different things. Like I want to walk at a slow pace or adjusting my pace to walk next to somebody that I'm with, right? Like that, that might be where that app comes in handy later, where you can specify some certain parameters around your movement. For now, I think it does introduce a lot of those complex cybersecurity issues. On top of being, you know, being, losing your phone, there's, there's also the, the, potential of being hacked and um why would anybody want to hack people well i think there's a lot of good reason i just you know said it if you can if you can if uh, effectively brick somebody and and have them immobile um then you could almost without consequence go up and do anything to them you could harm them you could steal their stuff you could um I don't know, hold them ransom. I think there's a lot to consider with that. And uh, I don't know, you guys have any other points on cybersecurity? Uh, Brian, any any thoughts? I don't have on cybersecurity, but I do on the app because I do think that as it is right now, maybe the app isn't super useful, but using phones is one of the key ways blind people navigate these days. They use their phone for everything, for screen readers, for like just navigation, for letting people know what's in their hand and stuff. And so adding that phone Bluetooth into this, I could see as being leveraged really well in the future. It does require a lot of security, but that's the same thing for other things. Like if you steal someone's phone, that's just where bodily autonomy is going to have to be huge Mm. and very important. Barry, any, any last comments on this story? Yeah, I think just to sort of wrap both of them up, I think the cybersecurity issue is, um, is is significant. And it might not be anything truly malicious in that in that respect as well, but could you imagine having a, um, you know, so either you've got it or your fr- your friends are you, one of your friends are using this, you all have a few drinks, they're having a party, and then somebody decides it's a fun idea to nick the... Um, um to, to take the, the the screen the tablet and have a go with your mate's legs and see what's going on so it, it could be as simple as that that would that would seem you know, one of these things funny at the time would actually be quite a traumatic uh quite a traumatic experience so i think this idea of the um you know open architectures and stuff like that is yes it, it's got a lot there but it, it does need to be think thought think uh, thought about quite a lot fundamentally i still think it's a very exciting thing and um, it's clearly the the leading edge of some really, really, really inspirational research. But I think it's got a, got a long way to go before it's actually truly something that can be um, seen as a, you know, a, something available on the market. Yeah, I agree. Brian, any last thoughts on this one? No, I think we just about covered it. <laughs> yeah, for me, I think, uh, I think we brought up a lot of issues with the design of the app and sort of the practical nature of having something like this i was honestly worried that we wouldn't have enough content to cover but we i think just about beat this thing uh into the ground so uh thank you to our patrons this week for selecting the topic and thank you to our friends over at futurism and nbc news for our news story this week if you want to follow along we do post the links to all the original articles on our weekly roundups on our blog and also join us on our slack or discord uh, for more discussion on these stories We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to see what's going on in the Human Factors community right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. 
but we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Yes, huge thank you as always to our patrons, especially want to thank our honorary Human Factors cast staff patron, Michelle Tripp. And uh, I do want to mention a couple shows ago, I guess we said, you know, we were just a couple patrons away from being self-sustaining. And uh, hey, we did it. Thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, Everything going forward, I want to let you all know what's going on with uh, the support that you are giving to us. Everything that we get going forward is going to be put back into the show in one way or another uh, and some exciting ways. We kind of have a roadmap for where those where that support goes uh, long term. You know, we're not pocketing the money at this point. We are kind of putting it into other things. Like I said, uh, you know, we'll we'll put it into some more advanced transcription software that will uh, sort of make this more accessible for, um, you know, the the hearing impaired. And so uh, there, there's other pathways that we are going to use your support to help bring the show to other people. Uh, I do want to mention that Patreon has some other fun stuff, too. We, we always mention the Human Factors Minute, but we do have full audio versions of the podcast. But what does that mean? Um, normally, we do a pre-show and a post-show uh, that you wouldn't get unless you're watching our live streams or check them out after the fact. Uh, but you do get that as an audio version if you're a patron. We do host weekly Q&As, so a lot of times we'll get uh, some questions from our patrons that we prioritize for the show. And then uh, we also early access to the show by a couple hours. So, you know, I produce that one first, send it out, and kind of wait on the other one. And uh, so our patrons get the show first, and it's the full version first. So there's that. And then we also have bonus content that we release from time to time. So like when we did our full revamp of our nice pretty logo you see uh, everywhere. <laughs> our patrons saw everything, uh, including all the design process in those. So yes, huge thank you as always to our patrons. Let's uh, they they keep the show running literally. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Let's go ahead and get into this next part of the show. It came from. It came from. That's right. Let's switch gears. Get to it came from this week is a little interesting. So <laughs> last week on the show, uh, our audio got cut off right at the end, at the tail end of our It Came Froms. We got like the reading of this in, but I edited that out for obvious reasons because our answers weren't in. So uh, we have three tonight. One of them is from Reddit. The other two actually came from Discord. So this will be fun. Uh, let's get into this first one here. It's from Kaiju Corgi on the user experience subreddit. They write, hey, all, I'm a career changer in UX, and despite a a lot of effort, I've recently reached the long-term unemployment zone. Uh, There's a lot of context here. I'm going to skip over some of it. But basically, um, you know, their question here is, how can I solve some of my assumed weaknesses as a UX applicant? They're having uh, a difficult time, obviously, applying for, or, or sorry, 
getting a job in that long-term unemployment zone, um, they, they go through a lot of different assumptions here about uh, what they think might be holding them back and some you know things they might do to address some of those issues. But um, I want to ask you guys, and, and I'll start with Barry on this one since since you answered this last week. I want to ask you, Barry, how let's see how how would you tackle that long term unemployment, and um, I don't know how do you how do you sort of self reflect. Well, touch wood so far, then um, I'm lucky enough not to have had that significant period of unemployment, but the I've certainly talked and worked with um, a number of people who have. And and fundamentally, it's about, you just got to try and A, keep yourself relevant. And it's it's a difficult thing to do because the, um, you know, the uh, Kaju Kogi sort of highlights that they've been, um, their job gap is two years long, which is quite a significant period of time. Um, the... They've, they've sort of got their one one big case study that they keep on uh, they keep on giving out, and really you you if you're not get, not being employed then you know the, there is voluntary work to do there is the the engagement in community there is just putting yourself out there um, that you, that you can try and get on with but you've also got to keep your um, your mental agility up I guess or basically your motivation going because it can be quite um quite depressing quite you know you, you've got nowhere else to go you keep on just looking in on, in on yourself so you've got to try and work at keeping yourself motivated the flip side is true as well though that if actually you you know you get good positive experience but you're still not getting in the jobs are you going for the right sort of jobs are you is, is there should you be broadening your scope maybe to something that isn't just straight looking at sort of ux because actually ux is a small facet of the entire um, gamut of human factors and ergonomics um could you be broadening your uh, broadening your outlook a bit um and 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 fundamentally just keep going at it because certainly right at this moment in time in the UK so if you're listening from the UK this is um really useful the um there are more human factors jobs out there than there are human factors practitioners and so the in many ways just keep going with it but it's it it's hard work. It's it's not an easy thing to do. And having worked with a few people um, as a mentor to try and get them through through that period, it's that mental battle I think that is is the hardest thing to deal with and keep going. Um, what about you, Nick? Have you got experience in this area? I don't have experience in the long term unemployment zone. Uh, I, I will just echo a couple points here. I think you answered pretty similarly to how you did last week. Um, there's my goodness there's for that. A couple of- <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple points that I want to make here. Uh, one is that I think the this person who's commented on um, this Reddit post, I think they're already on the right track of kind of looking at that self-reflecting is, is really important. But the other piece of it that I think is also really important is staying engaged. Um, there are things in which you can do that are still kind of... Uh, I don't know, you're engaging with your community. And so if you go to conferences in the UX or human factor space, if you go to, uh, if, you, if you're part of sort of these committees that happen, you can still uh, sort of professionally continue your career and do stuff meaningful to a society or a, an organization that might uh, sort of fill in some of those long-term unemployment gaps. You also uh, network through those things. And I know it's hard right now because everything's virtual, but going to those events, and I know it's it's kind of sunk in cost because you don't have a job, you're probably tight on money, 
But going to a conference can really, really help, especially when you get face to face with other people. You never know who you're going to say, oh, hey, I'm hiring. Oh, also, by the way, uh, Human Factors Cast Discord channel, someone's hiring. So go check that out. Um, and so, like, you know, there, there are avenues that you can do uh, that you can look into, especially for um, trying to keep up that uh, continued effort involvement in your profession. Um, I'm going to shut up now. I want to hear what Brian has to say about this. Yeah, so um, I kind of want to talk about Barry's point for a second where he said, like, there's a lot of different ways you can go into UX. And I think that's really true. Like me and my partner both went to the same grad school, but I'm a UX designer and she's a UX researcher. I have a design background. She has a psych background. So where really are your strengths? And then kind of figure out where you can go there. Um, and then with Nick, like I re- there are a lot of really awesome virtual conferences that you can go to for free. That is one good thing that the pandemic has done is that there's a lot more virtual free events than there were previously. And yeah, it's not necessarily as good as face-to-face, but you can still talk to a lot of people. You can still make an impact and make some friends. And uh, yeah, one of the things they said was that they had a strong idea for a local nonprofit, but if they did the work, they'd still need to find a dev and high risk, high reward. But do they need a dev? No, I think that's awesome to go figure out a good volunteer opportunity and get a really good portfolio piece from that. Even if nothing comes from it, you can still say, I worked with this company. I did this work. Here's this awesome work. And that plus polish on the portfolio, I think that's one of the biggest things you really do need to crank that thing up to 11 because people don't look at it for very long. I know one thing I had to do after I graduated because I graduated in uh, December of 2019 and I took a few months off to work on my portfolio and then the pandemic happened. So (laughs) I certainly understand applying to jobs in the middle of pandemic. It's uh, not fun, but if you can work on that portfolio and take those projects even further that really helps out a lot. Yeah, good answers. All right, let's get into this next one here. This one's actually uh, from our Discord, from Vanessa, who is also a patron. Uh, so I want to I want to read this one in full here. If anyone can speak to this, please let me know. I was lucky to be offered a user experience research internship last semester. I am currently in an internship that is a bit of outside of the human factor scope. Um, I am now also being considered for a government agency VR-centric internship. My question is, does it look better to have a mix of lab and internship experience or to learn more heavily or lean more heavily into one or the other? Um, And so I want to pass this over to Brian first. Uh, Do you have uh, kind of any experience with a mix of um, lab and internship work? And what's kind of your opinion on this? I mean, my opinion is, what do you want to do? afterwards with it if you really want to work for like some sort of lab then go for that lab work but if you want to work for a different type of company go for that internship um i think that's kind of my biggest thing i had a little bit of lab consultancy testing but um i think having that internship at a different company also gives you that edge what are your thoughts barry um i think that if it's one of these things if they know exactly what it is they want to do and they've got a driving passion to go and do do this one thing go with whatever suits that uh, closest however 
unless you've got that drive, then do whatever you can to mix it up. Because having a broad range of experiences, certainly as early on in your career as you can, um, you might go in thinking, I'm going to do X, but actually you think, oh, I've just found that. I'm going to do, I want to do this instead. I mean, that's kind of how it was for me when I first started, you know, my background is in command and control engineering. Um, but there was this one module on the course that was all around, inter- um, well, GUI design at that point. And um, so graphical user interfaces that were, that were programmed in C in like many years ago. And, um, and I was like, actually, this is really good fun. And that just that one little bit, then spiraled into into other stuff so for me it's about um getting as broad a range of experiences as possible so i would go for anything you can do to to mix it up and that will give you a broader broader life experience to then go make some um decisions that uh, that you don't really need to make until for another year or so or a couple of years yet yeah i'll kind of uh recite my my answers with maybe some a little bit of elaboration so I am also go for the mix because you never know what skills are going to be applicable to your end job, right? You might have a situation where maybe as an internship, they give you a little bit more, uh, I don't know, agency within within the company. You also, uh, in a lab, you might actually have some project management going on if you are a grad student. And so think about these types of things. Um, think about what types of skills you can get from each of these opportunities and kind of how they sort of play into your end goal. Uh, and it, it could really help. Like, let's say you do ultimately want to get into VR. Well, then I would look into that VR internship because it makes it a lot easier to jump from VR to VR than, I don't know, say like automotive design to VR. Uh, it, it could be the difference between getting into the field and not. Um, that's just my two cents. We have time for one more. Let's get into this one. This one's by Vianney, also a patron in our Discord. Go figure. Uh, Vianney writes, uh, what does everyone think about coursework master's degree versus thesis master's degree? Would the former be sufficient if I'm just looking to enrich myself with human factors knowledge to apply for a human factors related job? Or should I pursue a thesis master's degree? Barry, how do things work in the UK? And and do they have a non-thesis option in, in grad school? Do you know? Yeah, no, we do. We you can either do a um, a talk of a talk masters or a research masters, um, which I think is basically the, the equivalent. Um, and Amanda, my wife, is doing her um, human factors um, taught degree uh, taught masters right now. So, and that was a deliberate decision that we both talked about. We both went through and looked at the pros and cons. But because we, because um, again, because we met at university, how cute um, the. We, so we both got this engineering background, and she, since she's been part of the business for so long, she she finally decided she wanted to learn some human factors stuff. And I was like, well, there's no point, from my my belief, there's no point in going to try and do a research master's if you're wanting to learn skills. Um, so I would push, strongly encourage the idea of going down this, um, going down a, a taught master's. The difference in the UK is there is no currently, currently there is no undergraduate degrees for human factors at all there was one or two they've now dried up and so you have to go and get a first degree and and then to get your um, human factors degree you then have to they're all masters regardless and there's some work going on around degree apprenticeships but that's that's coming in the future um so yeah so i would personally i would go down the coursework masters um unless you want to go and do a research human factors job then obviously that that then goes into that so i just got in that the the quick it, it depends at the end 
Yeah. Brian, let's hear from you. So, I mean, my incredibly biased answer is that I got a coursework master's and that's worked very well in the market professionally. However, I didn't want to become a PhD. I didn't want to go to that next research level. If you do, then look at the thesis. But otherwise, I think the coursework is just as good, if not better, because I have heard it's easier. Of course, I only took one, not two, so I don't have any comparison. Um, but it seems to work very well in the market. And uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't really worry about it. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, it's, uh, you guys stole my answers. Uh, look, I think it, it really does come down to that it depends. And I actually put this in our Discord. I made a big it depends button because it really does on what the outcome you want from it is. If you're unsure where you want to go, whether it's academia or industry, then I would say err on the side of caution and go with the thesis because that will give you sort of the appreciation for the, um, I guess, rigor that it takes to do scientific research. Um, and you will always kind of have that option to continue your line of research in academia. And it's still a pretty relatively easy jump into industry thesis or not. If you are dead set on being industry, you know, for sure, you don't want to be in academia. I would say go with the, the, um, the self-taught non-thesis option, uh, because then you're saving yourself time because a lot of theses are not done in two years. Um, and, uh, you know, you can get in and out with coursework in two years and that's, that's time that you won't get back. Uh, so unless you're super passionate about it. All right. Uh, that'll do it for it came from this week. Let's just get into this next part of the show. We like to call one more thing, uh, Brian, it's been a while since we have caught up with you. What is your one more thing this week? Yeah. My one more thing is uh, the MIT reality hack and XR hackathon is back. So I'll be going to that in March and I'm super excited to actually like see other humans in a masked and vaccinated area, but also get to play with a bunch of cool headsets and tech. Can you please come back on the show and tell us all about that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time last time. I'm sure it'll be great this time too. Barry, what's your one more thing this week? Well, I'm going to go for my usual thing and have a twofer. Um, but in that... Um, just yesterday, I presented with HFES on climate ergonomics. So if you're a member of HFES and you can go back and see the recording of that, please go do so. I think it was a whole heap of fun. But more importantly, the LA Rams won the Super Bowl. Woo! Hence our Rams talk. There we go. Um, what was interesting for me about this, it took me two days to watch. Because obviously here in the UK, it was a um, half 11 uh, kickoff, uh, half 11 at night kickoff. But then I, I couldn't work out whether to sleep beforehand and then watch the game or watch the game. And then see, because I, I was away, I was in a hotel because I was I was doing some um, user trials the next day, and so I sort of did the worst of both worlds. I watched it up to half time, then fell asleep, and then so the next next morning woke up and I was like, fine, I, I can watch it on, uh, I can watch that. But then got I had meetings first thing in the morning, so I got to the so with ten minutes to go, um, I had to stop, go and do my business meetings for the day, um, then drive home. And then watch the last five minutes, which were a very exciting five minutes of, of, of the game, um, basically that evening. And I never got to actually see the the, the um, halftime show until last night. So it's taken me a long time just to watch this game. But fundamentally, go Rams. <laughs> Nick, what about I got to ask you, 
hang on. I, I want to I want to pull the thread. We have a little bit of time left. I want to pull the thread on this halftime show thing, and I want to get your thoughts on this because this is something that's so interesting to me. Because you have two different generations claiming that this was their show. You have the Gen X mm-hmm. people, uh, and you have the millennials who are both claiming that this was built for them. And it, to me, it's interesting because one, there's sort of this generational tug of war going on uh, and, and trying to claim ownership of something that I think um, sort of the younger Gen X and elder millennials both experienced around the same time. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's just fascinating that that we categorize these things in a way that that's, I don't know, it just putting, I guess we as scientists and <laughs> people in general like to put things into buckets. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on it? Brian, have you, did you watch the halftime show? Do you think it's, do you think it makes sense to bucket this? Uh, I did watch the halftime show. And I think the most appropriate bucket is if it related to you, you're old now. That's kind of just <laughs> what happens. <laughs> <I'm leaving. laughs> I mean, I saw it and I loved it. And I was like, Ooh, Ooh I guess dude. I am old now. <laughs> I don't think that like yeah divide really makes a whole lot of sense, but we do like to group people whether we should or not. Yeah. Barry Barry, what are your thoughts on that whole generational divide? Yeah, well I think it was an interesting because we've now got artists at heart that span such a long period as well that um that I think the you know the artists were on did generally generally span the sort of the end of the sort of the Gen X into the millennial and, and that type of thing. So um it was brilliant to watch, um, and I think it was it was just fun. I mean, my my kids sort of watched it as well, and they and they're like, sort of, what comes after millennial Gen Y? Um, Gen, or no, Gen Z, isn't it? Yeah, Gen Z. That way. Um, and so even they were sort of saying, oh, actually, no, some some of their music was was ours as well. So, and you're like going, no, no, it's definitely not yours. <laughs> um, so. No, it, it was good. I mean, what was also good to see around that show was more people enjoying themselves, um, you know, with, with what we've been through. I don't know. Did you see it and just think, oh, that's a lot of people together in a very small space, not wearing masks? <laughs> um, you, you sort of have this almost shock reaction now every time you see a, um, um, a thing. Because what was also cool was, because I watched it on, on, um, on YouTube, and it then automatically on the playlist jumped straight into some of the previous years. And I think it went back to uh, Super Bowl 50. And um, and there was just loads of people, lots and lots and lots of people crammed in doing this. And it was like, well, you won't get that nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> but can, you a, believe, can you believe we used to do some of that stuff? Just a new person, shake their hand without it, like crazy. I know. <laughs> but fundamentally, uh, still go Rams. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, my, my one more thing this week um, is, is uh, I guess... I don't know. Interesting. So it's it's also tough to talk about because I mentioned on the show a couple uh, last month that I was seeking. Um, I talked about my therapist in the pre-show, but I, I am now medicated uh, for what I suspect was ADHD, and I am pretty sure that's the case. After taking some of these meds, um, they've taken a while to kick in. However, uh, I have had the most productive two weeks of my life. The last two weeks. Uh, I am very, it's like so much more attentive to everything going on. Um, and, and this even goes back to the show that, uh, Barry and I did last week, but was planned for the previous week, 
So I guess that's what, two weeks now. Uh, I had actually done the show notes on a Wednesday night because I looked at the polls and said, okay, yeah, that's probably going to be this show. It's, it's not going to really change. And I went through, I did all the show notes. I said, Hey Barry, here you go. I scared him away. Uh, and, and, uh, and then we didn't do the show the next day. And so the, the show notes were ready for a week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've just come off of, uh, the best two weeks, uh, both professionally and personally in, in my own life, uh, with getting everything organized. Like I've, uh, I guess, you know, like doing dishes and cleaning the living room are no longer issues for me because I'm not in my head about something else. Um, and same thing with doing things for the podcast. And some days are better than others. But I, anyway, all this to say, it's just a PSA to go. If you if you think something or maybe you're like, do do everybody suffer like this? Does everybody function this way? Um you know, maybe talk to somebody about it. And if you need to talk to somebody about their experience, feel free to reach out to me on, on the Slack or just or discord. Happy to uh, talk about mine with you. Um, so with that PSA out of the way, uh, that's going to be it for today. Everyone, let us know what you guys think of, uh, of the story this week. If you like the discussion about the psychology uh, behind sort of the paraplegia and controlling your body with other devices then go go listen to episode 205 that's where blake and elise broke down driving exoskeletons with uh brain signals really, really interesting stuff comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week for more in-depth in discussion you can always join us on our discord community we actually started to voice chat earlier this week it was fun you can always visit our official website, sign up for our newsletter, stay up to date with all the latest Human Factors news. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do that. One, you can leave us a five-star review wherever you're at right now. Just hit that five-star, leave us some reviews, tell other people it's good. Two, tell your friends about us. Word of mouth is really how we grow. Uh, and three, if you're able to, consider supporting us on Patreon. We do put all that money right back into the show. Might actually help others find the show for things like, uh, you know, AI transcription services. Uh, as always, links to all our socials um, uh, are in the website are going to be in the description of this episode. I want to thank Mr. Brian McDonald for being on the show today, this year, I guess I should say. Where can our listeners go and find you if, uh, if they want to hear more from you? Yeah, well, since I have a very generic name, I like to throw my middle initial in there. So on pretty much all the things on Twitter, I'm Brian C. McDonald, LinkedIn, the same. And my website is BrianCMcDonald.com. Easy enough. I want to thank Mr. Barry Kirby for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you? I'm around on Twitter and other socials, but fundamentally I'm at Baz underscore K. And check me out on my podcast at 1202, the Human Factors Podcast, 1202podcast.com. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me uh, on social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning into Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it, it depends. depends. Hey, if you're sticking around, if you're watching live, stick around with us. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do some stuff in the post show here. Yeah, there we go. Coordinating it depends between three people. Now that's a challenge. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually muted myself for that because I didn't want to mess up things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I totally miscalculated time on this one. Um, I I don't know what happened. Uh, we're, we were like ten minutes early. I was like, what the hell? Uh, it was okay, though. It was a good show. Good show. Yeah, it was. What was really interesting was I think all three of us had a different view on how these how the um, device was being controlled um, from the same article, which I thought was just... Um, yeah. I think we all described it in a slightly different way. 
And I was like, it just showed that actually there was not much, um, not much description on the actual control, just that it was app control. Um, yeah, it needed a lot of videos to really showcase what was going on. Yeah. But I think maybe they didn't want to do that because they realized it was ropey or, or whatever, or, you know, because um, it's still very much research. But it's, um, yeah, I think what scared me most was the, was the, um, on one of the videos, they sort of show how, how they put all the spine stuff in. And they were just like, oh, yes, we just slide that slide the spine receptors up. And it's like, oh, don't you just slide spine receptors up my spine? That sounds it's really a real, rather simple procedure of slicing. Yeah, spines are easy and uh, hard yeah. to break, right? Right? Yeah, just just staple them. It's broken them, already. What are they, they going to do? Break it more? Oh, WD-40, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's but, really uh, insensitive. Uh, but... oh, it's, uh, it's a bit like when you watch, I don't know if, if you have the sort of the you know, the, the, um, they, these things that so, show you surgical procedures and stuff. And I always start, most surgical procedures are kind of not really got a problem with. It's when they start with uh, metal work and they start putting like sort of drilling into things and they basically just get a Bosch drill and just start drilling into things. And you're like, but just no, how? Yeah, um, I did my uh, undergrad yeah. senior thesis on total knee replacement. So I had to watch a bunch of those. Mm. Ooh, and nice. it really is like, they just take a saw, and then that's step one. Yeah, it's. Um... I don't know. Do you, that 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 brings up an interesting point. So when you all have work done on you, do you prefer to look up the procedure before or after or not at all uh, during that process? Right. So like, I'll give you all an example while while you're thinking of it. Um, last year, I got a root canal, and um, yeah, I, I generally knew what it was. Right. They kind of dig out the the dead uh, cavities on your tooth and fill them up and uh, put a crown on, on that tooth. And, um, but I didn't, I, w I was very torn on whether or not I wanted to watch it beforehand or after. And I ultimately came uh, down on, uh, sorry, I'm getting some phantom pain in my tooth because it was such a traumatic experience. Uh, but I, I ultimately came down on watching it before because I wanted to be informed as to what they were doing and when. And so when they were digging down in my root canal and the, the, uh, the medication wasn't working, the numbing wasn't working, I could feel every little bit of that. Uh, I knew exactly what they were doing. Um, and I guess I'm thankful for that. Uh, because it kind of gave me that that insight in the moment. I was like, okay, I know what they're doing. I know what they're doing. So I'll pass it back to you guys. Do you prefer to look up those procedures beforehand or after, or not at all? Well, I think for me, generally, because I've had root canal as well, and I sort of knew what they were doing because they give me, you know, they, they go and do you do the the prep bit, and then you go in and you come back, and uh, they sort of give me a card with right. This is basically what we're doing with with graphics diagrams and I'm like, I was fine okay I didn't go to that same level of like getting going looking on YouTube or whatever for, for for the procedures I've had a couple of other procedures done um where I definitely didn't look up beforehand what it was about I just let them get on with it um the I guess the one where I did look up because we had a it's only because I had a decision to make really it was around my knee because I had what my um ACL um stretch um tear so but it hadn't quite tear, torn all the way through so we had to make a decision on whether do we leave it to repair itself because uh, clearly i'm an athlete um and that was the the way my doctor put it 
well, Mr. Kirby, you're um, you're clearly not an athlete, so we could just leave it. And I was like, you cheeky so and so, you know. Yeah, okay, fair comment. Um, and but so I did did do the research, but and actually, um, a friend of ours was was a was a surgeon as well, so I could sort of say, look, can you tell me what's going to happen? Um, and, and they were like, well, to be honest, if they go in with with your age and stuff, then the chance of you you're getting arthritis is way way more for doing it because they've just gone into your knee um and done it if you can leave it just to repair um given that you're not an athlete i'm like thanks for rubbing it in um then um then we'll uh we'll, it, it will it will be fine for everyday use um and they were generally right it's it's thankfully it's never fully torn it's 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 weaker um but i'm not sprinting or playing rugby or or any silly games like that so i did mess it up though at the back end of it must have been november last year when um I was doing this weight loss thing and a friend and a colleague at work said, oh, is anyone like squash or badminton or anything like that? I, was, I, I used to love squash as a kid. Now I'm losing weight and becoming fitter. Then um, I'll come and play squash. He didn't tell me that he played squash for the region. Um, I was expecting just knocking around the squash court. And so within four minutes, I felt my knee go. And um, now the sensible person at this point turns around and says, oh, I'm terribly sorry. I've got a bad knee and it's just gone. We should stop. Unfortunately, 40 minutes later, I decided, I, which I, I, I just decided to keep on going. And, um, and yeah, then the next, which was sort of fine. The next morning, I just couldn't walk. So, nice. Yeah, me and medical things, I'm not a fan. Yeah, Brian, yeah. what about you? Do, you? do you prefer to look stuff up before, after, not at all? If it's something important where I actually need to make a decision, definitely look it up for minor things i like to look it up too even though i'm a baby and like i can't even look at someone giving me a shot i still want to know like you know how it works um but i'll like look up one video figure out how it works and then i'm done yeah yeah that's kind of how i am too um i had i had one procedure where i didn't have a chance to look it up because uh, it was a life-threatening situation so i i had an appendectomy back in 2016 um you know, like it's just this pain in my stomach. It's like, oh my god, it really hurts. Oh, it really hurts. Oh, geez, I don't know what's going on. Sitting in the bathtub, just my my wife is like, hey, you should. Um, we need to go to urgent care. And I was like, no, I'm fine. It's probably just constipation. Like, I don't know what's going on. It's like <laughs> one of those things. And uh, we ended up going to urgent care, and they were like, yeah, you have appendicitis. And I was like, oh, what? Uh, okay. Um, what does that mean? And you know, I the the memories that follow that conversation with that urgent care nurse doctor um I, I went to the emergency room they triaged me because it could have been really bad uh if it exploded and so um i i remember getting my blood drawn i had just eaten <laughs> i was on keto at the time so i just had eaten like cheese blocks for lunch um you can see where this is going and uh, they took my blood. I got really queasy. I kind of passed out and woke up with cheese blocks all over my uh, my body. So that was that was one memory. And then uh, like a flash into the um, you know my wife laughing about me throwing up and passing out. And then a a quick um, I guess flash of memory into the MRI machine. A quick flash of me signing a document. Uh, saying yes i give you permission to um dig around in my stomach and take that thing out uh and then some more vivid memories of the uh recovery room afterwards um and i i don't know i don't know if i've still 
even to this day, I know roughly what they did, um, but I haven't looked up the procedure yet about okay. an appendectomy. So that's that's fun. So you didn't go to Dr. YouTube before you went to the <laughs> doctor? <laughs> no. no, because I didn't even know it was appendicitis in, in the moment. And uh, that it was, uh, they, they had told me if I had waited just a couple hours more, um, it could have gotten really bad to the point where it was life threatening because it was like very close to uh, rupturing. Yeah. And uh, when that happens, it's bad news. Then where would this show be? Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a good question. I'm just up at night. Yeah, just realized as well the because I do this, um, I have restream on on half of my screen, and I have the show notes on the other half of the screen. Hey, I mean, that's too. Why, yeah, well, that's why I never see the see the chat thing is oh. because I've, I always keep the um, the external chat open to see if anybody's putting any comments in. And so I've just clicked on the private chat because now we've made this full screen because I've taken the show notes away. Seeing you guys, well, I'm having a nice chat. And like, okay, fair enough. Oh, you don't get the chat? Because I have half a screen, but I still get the chat. I, I, It sort of splits the thing into three for me. So I can either see, um, I can either see the, like I said, the outdoor, the external chat on the, on the streams, or I can see the private chat. But it also doesn't have a, it should have a little um, icon there to say there's new chat. And it doesn't. See, I... Oh, I that's so weird because I have like a little chat bubble at the bottom of my screen. It's separate from the chat that the um, same that the, uh, with the screen width. I think we are on larger screens, oh, so half yeah. our screen gives us a different view. Hold on, yeah, I am shrinking, shrinking mine now. Ah, yes, I see what you're talking about, Barry. Okay, yeah, it definitely buries uh, that our chat. Um, cool. Well, that begs, begs the question, what size screens are you guys on? How big is yours? <laughs> yeah, it's not about the size of the screen. Um, <laughs> Mine's just a I, 32. Uh, yeah, I'm 32 as well. Uh, I have I have a 32 in, in the front. I have a three-headed display. I have a 32 in front, and then two side monitors that are 20 um, each. And they're the same model. I can't remember these are. Um, a big one. I thought they were 36s. I thought they were two 36s. Maybe it's a lower resolution. Oh, yeah, it could be. be. Yeah, it could be. But, um, no, for, um, friend of mine who I work with, he's got one of these new super super wide screens. Um, that just sit and um, and on the I sort of had screen envy for a while because you can sort of nicely chop that up into into um sections and stuff like that and treat it like multiple screens in, in a big way. But actually I've got two decent size screens that are curved that actually fit my desk a lot better. So um, that's my excuse just to make myself feel better. Uh, also <laughs> yeah, also my, also my super wide because it was harder to section, but I guess maybe if they fix that. Well this was the I think this was the Samsung one. Um and it seems to work really really well so it's okay. Um, I'm gonna forget that, so I don't buy anything. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of that. So, uh, hey, Brian, I want to ask you something. So you have been, I guess, uh, a, a listener for a while too. You listen to the show. Um, you said just the other day that you listened to about half of them. Um, yeah. And I, I'm curious. Uh, to hear from your perspective, what has been sort of one of your favorite episodes over the last, I don't know, year or so? 
Mm. Sorry to put you on the spot, but like, I'm curious. I'm curious. Like, what, what shows are performing better? This is my way of getting like direct feedback that, that will help uh, produce better shows. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's all like topic based. Um, right. Like, our virtual conference is more inclusive. Whenever you guys talk about like VR stuff. Um, yeah, I, I have wondered that. Like, is 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 our podcast something that people listen to on a topic to topic basis? Where like, you know, there's there's podcasts like Stuff You Should Know, um, mm -hmm. where they will go over very specific details about very specific topics. And you know, for me, when I listen to them, it's very much like, oh, does that topic interest me or not? And mm -hmm. if so, then I'll listen to it. Um, then there are other shows that cover the news on a weekly basis that I listen to fairly regularly. Um, and that's how I've always kind of thought about this show. But the way you're talking about it is almost making me think maybe people do just tune into certain topics. Well, can I say it depends? Because... <laughs> ah, you did it! <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I, I you used know what? to listen to all of them. And then, for some reason in grad school, I, like, didn't have much time. Um and shockingly got a little bit burnt um so then i like kind of stopped and now like i have such a backlog i listen to like most weeks but it's also like oh this one seems like an interesting topic i'm gonna jump back here yeah mm. i i have i have a fun graphic for y'all i put this together the other day oh my i want to try and get a, a sound effect that i can put on my um on one of my pads here so I can just every time we do it, I can just hit it and we can get get a sound effect. But nobody's done a convenient pen sound effect that I can steal, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get one made. Um, uh, you should you should do the sad horns or uh, the oh, I forget it's like from I think it's the uh, the either sad trunk oh Price is Right losing horn. Do that one. Or I've got this one. Hold on. Is it? It's um. I need, you nearly got this earlier when when we talked about things. I did. I heard a lot of this. But the but yeah, oh, that's the closest I've got. To. <laughs> that's a good one. You should you should jump in with those. Uh, you, you could be like that uh that quirky board operator on on some of those yeah. morning radio shows. <laughs> I just realized I haven't, I haven't taken off some of the others, so I, we all, we do have options. We do have... <laughs> we do have a bit of... Uh, <laughs> all this you know, you know Barry, I, <laughs> I will give you full uh, license to use those in the pre-show and the post-show. Um, if the concert went into the show, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. If you want to put it into the, into the regular show, let me know and we can see if we can fit it in. But, um, <laughs> pre show, post show, feel free. If, if you find a comedic moment, hold on. <laughs> oh, you could do a comedic uh, human factors radio show, human yeah. factors and the zoo this morning. <laughs> oh. Ooh, You're cool. listening to KHFC. I'm your host, Rocket Nick Rome. <laughs> well, yeah, that sounded like to work too too rehearsed. That is, <laughs> that is you, you moonlight, don't you? Uh, so. Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
my parents uh, both have a history in radio, and so I grew up uh, listening to all those uh, all the DJ slang um, and sort of the station IDs that get really obnoxious, and and you know I I, <laughs> I know that side of things pretty well from from my uh, from my upbringing. Cool. So I guess uh, the what's the backstory of uh, podcasting for human factors? Oh yeah, you you want the origin story? Yeah, the origin story. Yeah, I've told it a couple times, but uh, it's been a while, <laughs> so we can we can talk about it. Uh, my origin story for the podcast was very much a an instance where I was going, I was commuting to a job about four hours a day and i was like oh man this would be a great time to listen to podcasts on human factors so i looked i didn't see anything uh and i was like oh, shit am i gonna do this i'm gonna do this so i did it and and uh you know i i had a i had a buddy who billy he was on the show very early on he was not human factors but he was a friend of mine who really was into radio and wanted to kick something up and he was kind of uh, the one that uh, I feel encouraged me to look into doing a podcast and so um, so yeah we started it and uh, and uh, it, it was uh, it was something the first couple episodes I will say you know that we we kind of got an awkward start um, if you go back and listen to those now it's just like you know two people in a basement reading off of a friggin um, <laughs> a textbook you know like, oh it's uh, starting things from scratch hard or something yeah it's weird right and then you know we we quickly realized that that approach was unsustainable because it was like well there's only so much subject topic that that you could talk about there's also a, a massive amount of research to be done week to week right like we're fortunate enough now that we no longer have to choose the stories our patrons do that for us and um really it's just us to come up with some high level concepts that we can relay uh and so you know we switched to that news format early 20s uh when we were in our early 20 episodes in or something like that i think it's 23 anyway we changed to the news about then and it slowly changed over time we used to do you know three or four news stories per week um and that was fun it was it was jumping around a lot and um i don't know i felt like we weren't doing the stories justice there were some of those ones that were just like one-liners it was like i don't really have much to say about this and i frequently found uh both blake and i thought that you know we would like to spend more time on some of those new stories that was you know maybe just a little bit more juicy we could really just talk about it at length um, and so I think somewhere in the hundreds, we made that switch, uh, where, you know, we had, we had been doing the, the three a week for, I guess, a couple of years. Anyway, leading us to today now where we don't even pick our new story anymore. Our patrons choose it. And I think that's kind of a, a good way to approach it because it's audience choice. It's not like we're picking redundant things. I, when I look for news stories on a weekly basis, I'm looking for a variety of topics and just kind of let the general audience pick it. Um, and yeah, we, we kind of just do those uh, high level concepts, kind of like we did tonight with the psychological impacts of paraplegic. And uh, I don't know, is that the origin story you were looking for? I feel like I'm rambling here. 
you're rambling but that is the story so yeah oh and then uh i guess your history with like your parents made you think of just like you know i can talk yeah i mean it's uh, like funny 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 funnily funny that sounds like english it is now funny enough uh, I, I never really considered myself to go into radio. I, I had not, that's not something I, I really wanted to do. <laughs> just not really interesting to me um, from the perspective of like working at a radio station and putting on music and or, uh, you know, I did work as a board operator for a while uh, with my dad and I was, you know, basically just doing what i do here behind the scenes you know turning on and off some of these uh you know it's it's this stuff it's turning that on turn mm -hmm. you know layout i mean layout is not really on the radio but you get what i'm saying right it's doing this stuff behind the scenes while you're mm -hmm. micromanaging stuff going on i'm also looking at the clock to make sure that we're not running late on certain topics um kind of carrying the show from one thing to another letting the people who are talking know what's going on that's the that's the role of a board operator, and I've done that, and and that makes it very easy to produce this show. Um, from my perspective, I can both host and do the board operation, which is great because I don't have to rely on anybody else. Um, and then, sort of the the way I speak, the way I communicate, I've picked up from my parents, and I feel like um, that aspect of it kind of just bled through, as you know, like learned by. Uh, I was, you're raised by wolves. You're going to be a wolf. You're raised by uh, <laughs> DJs. You're going to you're going to have some natural tendencies to focus on communication. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Board operator school. I did a little bit of that when I was at Bentley, my school, because there was like the research center, and just like we'd sometimes have people sit in like this sort of auditorium and stream our like remote sessions with all of our cameras set up. Cool. Cause they had an actual lab and then I've never had a lab since. <laughs> oh man. Now I'm my own researcher. You know what I want to do? I, one of these years, uh, when we go to HFES or who knows, maybe someday CIHF, I'd love to mm -hmm. go to, uh, whatever conferences they put on. Um, I, one thing I've always wanted to do is kind of like a live stream of the conference. Just, hey, who's who's around? Hey, come over here. What, did, what are you enjoying about the conference? You know, sit down with me for five, 10 minutes. What's going on? Who did you see today? What, like, did you run into Chris Wickens while you were at a urinal? I did, that was fun. Um, <laughs> you know, like those types of things. And, uh, you know, to have kind of like a live feed of the conference going on in one of these uh, views, right? So it might be like, hey, there's a live feed of the conference going on like this, right? Where you have you know, the, the logo there is the live mm -hmm. feed and you have like people talking down here, you have multicams. So I can mm -hmm. turn on and off a camera and and it'd be like, oh yeah, here, here's, here's what's going on. You yeah, know, it's, especially it's mic, in yeah. this like kind of virtual or hybrid scenario where you can have people like streaming potentially from conferences you can then be like well none of them are really what i want let me go see what the random chatter cam is right exactly it's like yeah, you know 
I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed our uh, presence at HFES 2018. I think that was one of my highlights as a podcaster, as human factors professional. Is uh, you know, it's it's one of the things that I look back on fondly because we were like speed dating, speed networking with a bunch of really awesome people, and uh, we rarely, we seldom had time to actually go to panels that we wanted to go to. Uh, because we were always sitting at our booth, and people would come up to us and be, "Hey, you're the Human Factors guys. Yeah, yeah I've, heard, I've heard your show." And I feel like that'd be so much different now, um, because you know we've been tracking our growth and we're we're growing. Um, and, and so I feel like you know we've got our name out there in, in quite a few places now, and I feel like it would be a, a much different experience um, if we were to ask people to come over and tell us, you know, about what they're experiencing at the conference now versus. Three years ago? Four years ago. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Look at me, living in my glory days. <laughs> yeah. I've hoped to be doing that um, at the CIHF conference this year. So we've got we to be hanging out and have our own little booth at the uh, EHF 2022. So we, we've got a two-day so two virtual conference and a two-day live conference. So the virtual one start of, start of April um, and then the live bit is at the end. So should be quite interesting. Should be quite good fun. Um, I'll get some roller banners printed and stuff because it's, it's clearly an opportunity to buy gear. Um, yeah. So I've, I've been amassing gear, um, which is quite exciting. But, uh, should be fun. I'm quite looking forward to it. Yeah, that'll be super cool. Super cool. But well, we got a couple minutes left here uh, in the post show. Anyone want to bring up anything that they have just burning? follow-ups to any of our it came froms any any follow-ups to the story tonight the the it came from about um uh about the being out of work for a long time is a really interesting one because the it's such a difficult one to talk about if you've never been in the situation um <laughs> but also you know there's so many other factors there that you just don't know about you know there might just be being picky around jobs there might be um you know they, they want to do this one specific job and they, they won't consider anything else for a num number of reasons i think it's it is interesting because especially over here in the uk that we we've got a um a drive around getting um higher employment or people in proper jobs as opposed to just Ones and, and, and they've said, Oh, we'll just take any job, you could just take any job, and it'll be fine, and ju just do it. And it's like, Well, no, you want a career, you want something that gets you, uh, gets you, you know, to, you want to get out of bed in the morning for it. It's just interesting, I think. The um, like I said, touch wood, and there haven't been in the situation yet, but it's um, it must be hard work just sitting there not knowing whether somebody's gonna offer you a job and getting that really nasty cycle of you know, being um. You know, refuse the job and then have to go find something else, and and not try not to take it personally. You know, it's because it is you're being judged all of the time. So, yeah, it is something yeah. that's rough because I know that I graduated in December and was didn't start a new job until June, mm. and like even that, like six months literally after I graduated, I had a couple recruiters be like, "So why?" And I had a good excuse of like. Uh, I just finished grad school and didn't have time to do an awesome portfolio, but now I do. That's why I have this website. But like, you know, that will work for some months and then people are still going to go back to that. Why? Which, yeah. I mean, there's, it sucks that that's a question that I, I don't think there's any like good answers to besides 
portfolio and kind of fluffing up projects that you kind of oversell like oh yeah i was working with this volunteer thing yeah looking at people's cvs so we've been employing a another couple of people recently when you sort of look at cvs and one of the things that we was hammered into me when applying for jobs is oh if you've got any gaps in your career then you you've got to explain them gaps away um and i kind of now as an employer i almost think about about it the other way that um i almost if you've got gaps in your career then you clearly would clearly were doing stuff or you know there was something going on or whatever what why is it even my business um and it, it, i guess it's more around as well because i'm i'm qu- quite cognizant of you know women in particular taking career gaps um i think it's becoming more equal now that um that dads are getting um the same sort of maternity leave uh, paternity leave as, as what women what women can get which is great but generally you'll have you know if, if one of you is going to take a take a uh, leave and it's generally going to be the mum so they'll have this big gap and they feel like they have, they have to explain all oh, i was being a mum like well that's fantastic that's brilliant um why why do people see this as a bad thing you know um yeah i, I guess it I, I get frustrated about the this is where i think large companies in some respects have a have their process don't they of, of, of their, their sifting process and they just see all oh, these gaps and do that um hey guys quick yeah. question for you is my is my audio off has it been off all night it hasn't been off all night but in the post show it's it's not as good as it usually is okay i was gonna say it once in a while it gets a little bit louder then a little bit quieter and then it like simmers out shoot i'm wondering if it's pulling from the right input and that would uh and please let me know if this is oh yeah now it's super clear oh, that's better. Shit. i think we just recorded the whole show with me using the wrong audio uh well, it sounded it sounded all right i mean no it didn't say, i pulled you up the other week when it sounded really bad uh, okay, yeah. Well, if it sounds like that in the future, let me know because this is how it should supposed to sound. Damn it! Oh, <sighs> man, it's like hitting one roadblock after another each week, and it's uh, it's it's really it's a learning process. It's keeping it's me. It's an down, iterative guys. process. It, yes, better way of putting it. See, oh. I know the design buzzwords. <laughs> I'm trying to work out whether he, whether he comes for us and now. No, he just oh my god! Him. Yeah, no, the audio sucks for the show tonight, guys. Ah, damn it! I'm really upset with myself. All right, well, we'll go ahead and call that the post show. Thanks everyone for <laughs> tuning in as I figure out my stupid microphone problems. Did it pull from like your webcam mic? Or? Yeah, it did. Oh really? Yeah. I'll tell you what, that wasn't bad for because I didn't really. No, maybe it was just because there was more going on this evening or something, but I didn't, until you did the change, I didn't really notice that much of a difference. Ah, man. Yeah, well, it's also coming through your headphones. I, It's going to be bad. Ah, oh, man. I am. Watch a grown man cry right now on camera. <laughs> I, like, that sucks. Because in my head, I hear this. I don't hear the, the input. I hear this. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, when I'm sitting here talking into this microphone and I, I, you know, I should be talking at the microphone on the camera, <clears throat> it's a difference. Yeah, I mean, I have bummer. headphones, so it's not super tinny, but I didn't think you sounded particularly bad. 
just now you sound like really good if that yeah, makes sense <laughs> and this is a podcast where i need to sound like this ah damn it it is but also it's a podcast you're not taylor swift so there is a certain <sighs> level of give that you can get nah i'm gonna let this get to me <laughs> it's gonna get to me all day because i have to go now and produce the audio and uh that's what i was listening to right now and i was like why? Why? More, more importantly, to me and Brian sound okay. <laughs> yeah, you guys sound great. If we sound, if we sound great, then then it's all good, isn't it? Then I look even worse. And uh, <laughs> I don't, it, it, I don't, this is applicable. So. <laughs> all right, well played. All right, on that note, thank you everyone for tuning in with us. Uh, sorry about the audio issues, and um, we'll be back next week. We thank you. Have a wonderful evening. I'm not. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>